0: Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I'm your host, Hillary Jones. So not a lot to report this week, but I want to once again share how psyched I am about my smaller pedal board setup. It is just so great. I've been popping over to a number of different practices here and there, and I, I don't even know if I would have... I, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> I mean, I physically could carry the other board, but it just weighed so much. This has just been an absolute dream. i didn't I didn't know that this is what life could be like. Uh, so in general, I'm sort of like trying to figure out how to lighten the load with my gear situation to varying degrees of success, which I will report more on later. I'm sure you're on the edge of your seat about that. So this week's guest is Crystal Flowers, who is a rad multi-instrumentalist who plays guitar and bass in three count them, three bands. I had initially learned about her from She Shred's uh, Riff a Day challenge. That they do one riff a day in January usually, and she's just great. And we had a really interesting conversation. And I think one of my favorite parts is when she sort of digs in uh, about how her day job used doing like user experience design connects to the gear world and what folks can do better around that. I think it's going to be really useful and interesting. So check it out. Good stuff. But before we get into that, I want to thank this episode's fabulous sponsors. First, Earthquaker Devices. So I have finally tried Earthquaker's new Hizmeta buzz pedal, and I was immediately super impressed. I tried it at a store, so it was pretty quick. But the coolest thing to me was the range of the tone knob, which is a pretty wild range with like different usable tones, in a lot of places, and then it also has uh, some very cool ways that it sort of interacts with the sustain knob. And anyway, it's it's great. I highly recommend you check it out. You should probably get one. I don't know. Um, check it out on the internet. There's plenty of good videos about it, and I just think it's it's really a fun a fun option for folks. So for more about Earthquaker's pedals for their merch. Both of which I will add will fit in a stocking, am I right? Check out earthquakerdevices.com. Or perhaps you'd like to get a Hizamita's- or other earthquaker pedal from Stompbox Sonic, our second sponsor. Stompbox Sonic provides musicians with an extensive tonal palette for auditory exploration. Specializing in effects pedals, they offer a curated collection of companies large and small, some locally crafted, some assembled from around the world. Adam and Jen have been helping musicians and sound based artists find their sound since 2009. By working collaboratively through one on one consultations, they do more than sell you a pedal, they ignite the creative spark to bring your music to life. They create a comfortable, judgment-free environment for all musicians where sonic experimentation is encouraged. Whether you play guitar, bass, trumpet, harp, Rhodes, circuit bent speak and spell, stompbox sonic will work with you to find the right effects to put in your project. Do it. Check out stompboxsonic.com for more. Good folks, good times, good pedals. What what more what more is there to say? Last but not least, I want to thank Holcomb Guitars. Nick Holcomb builds beautiful custom guitars to your, or bases. I'm not going to limit it here, to your specifications and has a mobile guitar repair set up too. That means he will come in, uh, to your house or place of work or daycare as I have had him do uh, in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, either fixing your guitar on site or picking it up and dropping it off when he's done. Who does that? Just no one does that. He does that. Uh, He's great. He uh, has uh, set up, repaired, modified many of my own instruments, and he does great work. I need to give him a little call again soon. And uh, yeah, I also just like knowing that we share a lot of similar values, which is not always the case with folks that you're working with uh, to repair your guitar. So I think that's really important. He will treat you like a human person in the world who deserves respect. All of this is important. You deserve it. If you want to learn more, check out WholeCupGuitars.com or follow him on Instagram at holcupguitars. All right. Thank you, kind sponsors. And stick around after the interview where I will get into a bit about building community in music retail. So with that, here is my interview with Crystal. Crystal, welcome
1: to MidRiff. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on the show.
0: Yeah, very exciting. feeling is mutual.
1: Awesome.
0: <laughs> so for folks who might not be familiar with you for some reason, can you introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about yourself and your background with music?
1: For sure. So my name is Crystal Flowers. Pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, as far as background, I've been a multi-instrumentalist since I was like 13 so oh god it's coming up to 20 years and mostly I just play right now I play guitar and bass in three different bands I'm very mm-hmm. tired all the time please help me <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah seems like you're very busy
1: yeah busy is good I, I mean I joke about it but I'm, I'm very thankful that I'm a working musician because for so many years I was just like I'd love to be in a band and now I'm in three so that's always great <laughs> <laughs>
0: you sometimes if you just wish for it hard enough it will come to you exactly (laughs) so you said you started when you're playing when you're 13 Mm -hmm. which instrument did you start with
1: oh so i started at 13 with guitar so my brother sean who is a guitarist too he's played in bands for years he got me my first acoustic i ruined it i put it on (laughs) face down underneath my bed and it in the middle of the night, it sounded like four people were getting hit over the head with a guitar at the bridge, oh, completely separated from no. the body. He was just super bummed out, like, what happened? <laughs> so that taught me. And then my dad got me for my first electric, which was left-handed, because we were trying to figure out, why Why does this look weird? So got my first electric uh-huh. left-handed guitar when I was 13 from my dad. And I've just been playing electric ever since.
0: I have questions about the left-handed. Are you actually yeah. left-handed or did you just learn left-handed? Okay.
1: I learned left-handed. Um, I write with my right hand, which is weird. Okay. I think that's like something. Is, who does it? Paul McCartney? I don't know. Somebody does that too. There's a lot of like left-handed people who are literally left-handed and everything. Yeah. I'm not. I'm just ambidextrous, yeah. I suppose.
0: Got it. So you're not like, you're not always left-handed. It was just like, here's a left-handed guitar. I'll exactly. do whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's because Possibly. I watch people on television play guitar. And that mirror um, image. And I'm like, oh, so this yes. must be the correct way that they hold it. And I got so comfortable playing it that way. I'm like, well, this is correct, right? And everybody's like, no, that's not correct. <laughs> you have a selection of five guitars out of a thousand. Good luck to you. So I just with yes. it, though. It was yeah. just too hard to relearn right-handed after a while. I'm just like, I'm just going to stick with this. It's fine. I'll survive. Yeah,
0: that's that's fascinating. So. I, that's the other piece of this too. Is like it, it does kind of limit the instruments that you have available to you at that point, right?
1: Yeah, it, it does. I mean, you can always go the route, the Hendrix route, right? Like you just get a right-handed guitar and you just string it backwards. Yeah. But then the controls are in the yeah. way, and it's just it's it's not comfortable. So yeah, I, I try yeah. and just stick with actual left-handed guitars or basses.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll come back to that, but the, the left-handed thing is. <laughs> That part of it is fascinating. I just assumed you were left-handed and that was just the deal, but apparently not. Which makes it even more wild. I love it. So when did, when did bass come into the picture for you?
1: So it came into the picture twice. Once when I was like 15, I bought, again, with the McCartney reference, I bought one that was like mm-hmm. Epiphone Violin viola basses yeah and then i tried to like learn green day riffs on it i'm like this sucks bass is terrible and i like, sold it <laughs> whatever i'm sticking with guitar and then when i was taking guitar lessons around 24 my teacher was like yo there's people who want to do a band here and they practice here but they don't have a basis do you think that you can help them out i'm like yeah sure it's bass. how hard could it be and then i tried it, and i'm like oh this is amazing <laughs> i don't know what I was thinking, because it was like a completely different genre. It was like jazz and punk. Yeah, I don't know. It was weird. But yeah, we did did that for like a couple weeks, and then of course the band kind of faded away, but I stuck with bass. And after that, I started going on Craigslist like, does anyone need a bassist? At any any time, here I am. So yeah, I got into a couple bands as a bassist from there, and I just started really enjoying playing bass.
0: It's so fun. It is. Yeah, it's nice to have the variation and be able to like pop into different things like guitar can provide some certain musical outlets and bass is a different thing, but exactly. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, totally. So when you, so when you were 13 and you started playing, did you take lessons right away or is that like a little bit later that you get started with that or.
1: Um, it was a little bit later. So I, I did a lot of the typical, Oh, I got to learn smells like teen spirit. Oh, I have to learn mm-hmm. basket case by green day. I have to learn these quintessential yeah. rock riffs. Cause that's basically what I listened to. So why wouldn't I want to emulate these people? Lessons came later. I actually had a guitar. I was lucky enough to have a guitar class at school in high school. And so mm. that was a lot of like, okay, everybody, let's play brown eyed girl for the thousandth time. Right. But it helped with yep. chords and, you know, structure. But yeah, I did that for a little bit. But even after that, I, I never stuck with lessons, which I, I kind of wish I did. Hence why I tried to pick it up again later on. Like, Oh, I'm 24. I need to learn the correct way, the proper way to right. play guitar. And I di- I still am trying to figure it out. So it's ongoing process. <laughs> one,
0: one of these well, days. I think you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what I have noticed, you play, it seems like, so guitar, bass, also drums and keyboards?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that drums, accurate? the funny thing is like the first band I got into, I was actually the drummer. And it was a punk band and ah. it's, it's a band that's still around called the earth program and they're hmm. located in Evanston, Illinois and they still play shows. It's a punk band. And I was there for about a year, I think. And then I'm like, okay, drums are nice, but I want to play guitar. It was a whole just ping pong between instruments. Like this is nice, but I miss melody. I miss doing something other than keeping a beat. Yeah. So yeah, drums was like my first instrument that got me into a band but then it's like guitar Mm -hmm. and bass were the ones where it it kind of was more comfortable for me yes um so if you're and i think it's it's worthwhile for any musician to learn rhythm because that's a huge factor in music so even if you have a bongo learning rhythms on that can help you tremendously in any other instrument just for feel and being able to play off of a drummer or another percussionist so, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. recommend anyone who's into music taking up rhythm in some way, be it a tambourine, literally anything, but explore yeah. that side of it. Tambourine's you know, hard. It is. It's very hard. <laughs> You're not It's really out, like, hard. One of those, like, yeah, it, it's Mm-mm. hard to keep a keep, keep tambourine. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think people don't get enough credit for quality tambourine skills. Seriously so keys do you play key have you played keys in a band or is that just a separate thing or
1: yeah so i i never was a keyboard player in a band i will say that is the before i got my guitar and everything that was literally the first instrument i've ever touched because my grandma lenore she used to have this old piano in her basement i was like, what is that and it was just off in the corner and i would just go down there and just Mm -hmm. walk different melodies out and that's kind of how i learned oh you can make sounds out of these weird contraptions with these keys this is great and then after that i've gotten to guitar and so that was kind of like my introduction to music but as far as like playing in bands with keyboards it hasn't been my primary focus i will say though like in the current band i'm in called alpine and noise we're experimenting with synths. so i have a little synthesizer and i'm going mm-hmm. to start laying some stuff down on there. So it's like, that's my introduction. So it's like full circle. Sorry, for yeah. And now I'm starting to put it on like an actual album. So that's nice.
0: That's awesome. So can you talk a little bit about the three projects that you're currently in? Sure. So Alpine Noise, you mentioned. Yep. Yeah.
1: So Alpina Noise, just a, a very noisy, Alpina Noise. It's a very noisy punk band, which is right up my alley. <laughs> As someone who started on guitar playing punk, uh, mm-hmm. that's up my alley. And it's very, kind of post-punk in a way so there's still some like moody atmospheric stuff going on there which I really dig. Mm-hmm. and we've start playing I, I joined the band I think about like three months ago we played a couple of places and right now we're writing and so we're eager to like mm-hmm. put another record and uh, start doing shows hopefully next year so that's the one band I'm in, the other band, and I'm you play in.
0: guitar. You play guitar in that one, right? Yeah, yeah, I play guitar yeah. in that one. Yeah, um, and that it seems like it's it. It seems like you're doing having space for a lot of like interesting effects and stuff like that there too, based yeah. just because of the type of music you're playing.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah. I've never really been one to really build out like an effects board, but like now this is giving me the ability mm-hmm. to do so. So I'm like, this is fantastic. <laughs> Because <laughs> so I'm like, oh, distortion, that's all you need. It's like, no, there's so much, there's reverb, there's yeah. delay, you know, octaves, uh, everything's on my board, which is madness and great at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoy experimenting with the sounds there. Um, and then the second one I'm in is called Black FM. So that's the newest band I'm in. And mm-hmm. we actually just played Hard Rock Cafe, which is a mind for me cause Whoa, being dang. 17 i was at heart rock cafe seeing dave navarro and the panic channel play there and like i want to do mm-hmm. that And now i'm on the stage doing that it's just like that's like, amazing you're like th- yeah that was amazing to me i'm just like wow this really happened but yeah we played that wow. show we had a great time we're also going into hibernation mode and writing we're gonna start writing more stuff and um, yeah yeah
0: Every, it's it's wintertime, right? Everybody's going to hibernation. Exactly.
1: Like, <laughs> like, no one really wants to go out to shows when it's five degrees outside. So that's what it is. But no, it's it's great to work with those individuals. They're really great people. And it's like a fusion jazz R&B. Neil. So it's a whole melting pot of our influences. Mm-hmm. And we throw in like rock covers there, here and there. So it's like everything in one bucket. And it's fantastic. Yeah
0: the The videos that I've seen have been really fun. Everything I feel like everything you're doing is really fun. Like it's all it's all taking up a different space, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, I I, and yeah, I think that's like the thing for me. Like I like variety, so it's like I don't want to be in seven punk bands. I want to be in something that's I don't know and throat singing or whatever. Like the more difficult, like. You still,
0: there's like at least a couple more days per week that you could be practicing with different bands. So that's, yeah.
1: put it on the list. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's a great variety of groups. And the third one I'm in, so JD's Revenge, yes. uh, that's just straight up like funk rock. And it's just like, this is a band, I, this is the band I've been in the longest. So I think I joined in like 2018. Mm-hmm. And I heard the songs and was just like blown away. I'm like, this is amazing. I would listen to this if I wasn't being auditioned or, like bass player like I, I would listen to this on the daily like this is amazing I love this music and you know getting to know the rest of the band everybody's really cool and like we're all we hang out outside of like rehearsals and whatnot anyway so we're all like hey, this is this nice little like family to you know, that is nice make nice music with like we also we, we hang out and then we also go on stage and we just start mm-hmm. you know playing music so it, it's great.
0: And that's like a, the heaviest band of of the three, I would say, right? Yeah, is that accurate.
1: Yeah, I would say so too. I would say. I mean, I guess it
0: depends on how you define it, but
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the new stuff for Alpine Noise is pretty heavy, so that mm-hmm. might be on par with J.D.'s Revenge. But yeah, as of right now, like that—that's like the heaviest one. Yeah, it's definitely more in the realm of. I don't like to compare, but it's like if you had to say, like it's it's Fishbone versus like I don't know. The bad brains or something like that like it's more yeah funky and and like polished i suppose
0: that makes sense yes yeah, polished i, I feel totally. like it's a good way to put it yeah like it's like tighter or something yeah yeah totally. or like the the sound itself is tighter mm-hmm. yeah for
1: sure
0: so so do, as far as you're practicing do you practice like do you have like a day per week for each band kind of thing or is kind of random or uh,
1: yeah it, it depends on like what's coming up so if i have like an alpine and noise yeah. gig, i'll focus more on that and then if it's like i have an alpine and noise gig and a black fm gig and then oh man in two weeks i have a jd's revenge gig so it's like <laughs> i'll put whatever is first and, like, yeah really that. but then it's like mm. okay I, I obviously have to work on this too <laughs> so it, it there's no real set regimen i probably yeah. should have one outside of that like I have to do these scales and, you know, record Mm,
0: this or whatever, mm. but
1: I'm working on it. (laughs) But yeah.
0: What is, what's your general setup for guitar and for bass now?
1: Yeah. So for guitar, I use two guitars. I use left-handed, so I have to go to companies where they make duplicates of the guitars I want. Yep. I've got an agile Rondo Music, agile um, AL 3000. So that's kind of like a spalted maple... Gibson Les Paul, Duke. And mm-hmm. then I've also got yep. Revelation Guitars, which is like this great place out in like, Britain that's ran by this dude named Alan Entwistle, And I don't know if he's kin to John, but not sure, but it's just like he makes these great guitars.
0: One can only assume,
1: right? right Come on. yeah, he's a madman. He's genius. There, there must be some connection here. Um, but no, he makes the greatest <laughs> guitars. And it's just like, I've got one where it's like a jazz master duplicate but you don't see the humbuckers on top so they're hidden underneath the actual pick guard and it's just like how did you what i, I know there was a, a fender i think it was marauder I, i'm i blanking on the actual name of it but there was one that did something similar where they had like the pickups underneath the pick guard and it's like yeah hey, i see that it's like that's a, such uh, a wild callback. style right and it's just like how does yeah. this work but it's very loud and i'm like great so they figured it out i can use this that's great But yeah, I use those guitars for Alpine noise. My setup for my board is just oh man, there's so much that's been going on and taking off. I've used like the Caverns pedal where it's like the delay and the reverb, so that's like all the atmospheric stuff that I get. And then so I've got a Line Six M5, and I know they've got like all these new doodads for Line Six where it's like six pedals in one and or whatever. But it's like one of the original ones that they. Came out with, and it's a workhorse. I love it a lot. Hmm. There's some configuration that you have to do that has been taken care of with these later versions. I like the way this one is set up, and it's easy for me to figure out. Like, I, I don't, I already have enough to worry about with the pedal board. Like, I don't need another thing to worry about. <laughs> That's fair. This. I'm just gonna leave this alone and <laughs> say, okay, I know how this works. Yeah, But no, I really like that pedal. That helps. And it, it definitely saves space because there's so many pedals in it. I use that. I also use... What is that? It's like the Whammy in a small box from Digitech.
0: Yeah. It's... Yeah. Oh, the... It, the it's, it. Not the pitch shifting. Not the um, Whammy Wah or a, a different one. It,
1: it, it is. It's like it's the bro- oh yeah, yeah it's, it's the, the pi- uh
0: rose. what it's like the pitch up or something i can't remember what it's called but i know what you're talking about like you it's just
1: such a strange name yeah yeah, yeah. I, it, it's such a weird name that it, it the ricochet that's what it is oh there we so go okay i've got a i've got a, a whammy ricochet too which does some really wild sounds like especially if you team that up with like this one pedal in the actual line six and five Mm -hmm. where it's a frequency shifter so it's like you have crazy frequencies interacting with each other it's great but i like that one a lot i also have the sub and up from tc electronic where it's like Mm. a sub octave another sub octave, and the octave up and then your dry signal so like to mess around with that and then you know you have fuzz i have a a lovely morris audio walrus not morris a walrus (laughs) audio just a a walrus
0: audio fuzz and it's what is that called is that like a is iron horse or i can't remember they have a few different ones maybe jupiter
1: Jupiter. there we go okay yeah yeah the walrus audio jupiter and it can it has a trim pot inside so you can tweak Mm. it to be like very sputtery and and grimy are you your pro sputter oh absolutely (laughs) I, I, i really enjoy it but yeah i've got those going on and that's pretty much it. I'm looking to get, like, a mini wah because Ooh, there's yeah. already no room. Mm-hmm. My pedal mm-hmm. it's like, I don't need a gigantic wah pedal. No. So it's just a small, a small dude that will will help out. Yeah. But, yeah, and, of course, you've got to have your, your tuner, which is a, a quarter pitch black. Classic. <laughs> cool.
0: And what's your bass, right? Or, oh, yes. So what are you using for amp, I guess, is yeah. the question. Then we'll talk about
1: bass. Oh, Yeah. For sure. So for guitar, I'm using uh, an Orange Crush Pro, an oh, Orange okay. 60, and it's actually extremely loud and extremely heavy. <laughs> and when I would set it up, people were like, is this tube? It's like, no, this is solid state. This is not a tube man." They're like, oh, I, I didn't know. You could have me because oh, wow. it's just that loud. Yeah. And it's great. It's got a great onboard like reverb, too. So it's it's a tank. It's good like a tank. And honestly, i don't see the reason to like spend money to get a tube and orange, mm-hmm. so it's because it, it's just that great. Yeah.
0: And those way um, more, so that. you don't want to have to carry that anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's already bad. Like I live in a third floor up. I'm not trying to do that. It's like this is bad enough. But yeah, I use that for guitar and then for bass. I've always been a champion of like TC Electronic. So now I've got like the K cap. They're a bit lighter. That was my straight. question. So is that
0: the one that they've got like the neodymium like cat or like that are like super lightweight or whatever? Is that what that is? Okay. Yep. Yep. yep that's
1: yep. the one. So I've got the, I've got the 210 on that. And then I've got the very tiny head where you can just literally just slip it in your gig bag. Cute. It's, just, it's wonderful. Cute. It saves so much time. You just put and the little, put that in put your bag and put out. the
0: 210 on your backpack. You're ready to go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I've done that. I've like had my bass on my back with the head in the actual, you know, sleeve or whatever, and then I've just carried yeah, yeah. the actual cab wherever I need to go. It's it's so great. That's it's amazing. Time. But yeah, I mean, for Black FM, I'm tinkering with effects for bass. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm just doing a straight drive, like signal from the base to an mm-hmm. amp, and there's there's going to be some experimentation with. Effects later on with that, but with JD's revenge, the only thing I really use is the OCD for some overdrive yeah. um, and like one or two songs, and then there's another song where I use an MXR bass envelope slash filter. Yeah, panel. it's like the purple sparkle, right? Thing. But like that's really a, I, I try and like pare down my effects my effects rig for bass. Yeah, because it's just. I, I prefer it to be very clean tone mm-hmm. and just adding a little bit wherever I need to. Whereas in like Alpine and noise, I can go crazy and it makes sense to do so. Like you don't want 19 effects for a bassist unless you're like I don't know.
0: You're in the Mars Volta. Like from Snarky
1: <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, I don't know. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Mars Volta. Yeah. yeah. That's like where it would actually be. <laughs> exactly.
0: Do you? So you have a five? You play five string mostly, right? Yeah. yeah. And did you start and, with a five yeah, string that, or is it like we mm. were like?
1: Oh no! Okay, I, I did not start with a five string. I started with a four string, and then I went to a five, just because I don't know why or, or like what what inspired me to get a five string. But I I went from like an Ibanez to a Schechter mm-hmm. five string, and then I'm like, oh, this is great. And it's, for some reason, I it to be a great idea to go to, to a six string bass and that <laughs> felt like playing a tree trunk yes and i'm like oh no i made a mistake yeah <laughs> so, those things are wild I
0: yeah i feel like it it's really like hard. there's no space between the strings but also the neck is giant mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah no it's like i i don't know how people get their hands around right because it was a nightmare for <laughs> you to navigate around and it's just like yeah, I think I'm going to sell this and go back to a five string because mm. this is not fun. Yeah. So never again. I will <laughs> play fives and fours. You're like, there's six strings uh, on a guitar.
0: Really? I play six strings on a guitar. It's fine. What could possibly go wrong?
1: This, this must be the same thing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All
0: right. It is not. So, so I have a question. So you you do UX or like user experience design. Yeah. So what do you see as far as like in gear that people do well or poorly with regard to UX? Hmm.
1: That's a good question. I would say one of the things that I've seen done poorly would be like not listening to the actual people who are buying your product. Mm. So if you have products that are out there and people are like, Hey, this is not the greatest. Maybe you need to add this or, you know, you've got so many people on Reddit and all these other like guitar forums yeah. saying, yeah, this pedal would be great if, only this was added mm-hmm. it's like these people who are making these pedals or guitars or bases or what have you need to listen to their consumer yes because these are the people who are using your product and doing that research and making sure that you're tackling those points those pain points where people are like this is good but could be better if xyz that's how you get loyal customers of your actual brand you listen to them
0: right and so do you run a lot of like focus groups and stuff to do that or like how or surveys or how does that work for you?
1: Yeah, for, for us, I, you do a lot of interviews. Yeah, there's a lot of interviews. of just like, hey, if you want to talk to us for 30 minutes, mm-hmm. and, you know, you might get a gift card or whatever. But it, it usually it's people who have interacted with the product mm-hmm. before and then asking them, like, what do you think about this? If you need it, if it's a website, then it's like, oh, pretend you want to buy this type of shoe. Show us where you would go to do Mm. that. And then watching them and having them speak out loud. Like, well, what do you think about this process? Like, either, oh, it sucks because blah, blah, blah. I think it's easy because X, Y, Z. There's your data. Like, you have feedback now on how you can make this better.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I feel like so many people, especially for like the smaller companies, they're just like, well, I really like, you know, building guitars or building pedals or whatever. And they're they're kind of like working a little bit in a vacuum. And so using that like sort of like user experience mindset, I feel like is so useful for folks if they're sort of like developing their product. Right.
1: For sure. I mean. Of course, there's something to be said about having originality, yeah. and of course, sticking to your guns to make something that is, you know, filling a gap in the market. But at the same time, you can do that and also take, <laughs> not just be like, ah, eh, well,
0: yeah, right. You, I know what I'm. You can't tell me what to do, Mom and Dad. <laughs>
1: exactly. You don't want to get into that whole uh, echo chamber where it's just like, I'm great. This is great. Everything's great. Anybody who says otherwise, they don't know what they're talking right. about. Like, there's always room for improvement right. in any. Right.
0: And it's like, you know, yeah, there might be trolls who are, like, just like to give everybody crap or whatever, but there are some people who are, like, legitimately giving you, like, helpful feedback.
1: For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's the problem, too, is, like, I don't want to be like, we live in a society, but it, it, it has become <laughs> a thing where a lot of people just spout unhelpful yeah. feedback, and that's, like, people are already on guard and Mm -hmm. like expecting that. So maybe they do like lash out without really giving feedback that's helpful a chance. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you said, there are people who are just like, no, I I do mean that I like your product, but XYZ. Um, so, yeah, it's just a healthy balance of, like, not feeding the trolls, but also listening to mm-hmm. people when they actually are trying to help you mm-hmm.
0: out. Right. Well, and if you're asking, if, you go, if you're if you actively asking for that feedback, then that creates a better dynamic in some ways. Because you're like, I actually want this mm-hmm. feedback instead of me just, like, batting defensive because you're saying bad things about this thing that I spent all this time yeah. creating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you see, like, user experience stuff like interacting with Or, like, informed by, like, gender, race, ability, other identities? Is that... How do you see that coming up for folks? I mean, I know it depends on the type of product, obviously, and there's a lot of dynamics there, but...
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think that although change is slow and gradual, I've seen some improvement just on, like, the UX front of people really taking into account inclusive design Mm -hmm. and making sure that people who are of different genders, are of different races, have different abilities, are able to use a product. And it's not 100% every time, but I'm hopeful for the future because I do see a lot of places that are trying to improve upon and do it sincerely, not just as, like, this is a metric and don't we look at this because we're doing this, but it's, like, really walking the walk and talking the talk. So I've seen improvements... In that realm, but it's just like, again, there's just so much improvement. Like it's like, yay, this is great. Now let's keep going. (laughs) Let's keep going because there's still more, more ground to cover. There's more ways we can be more inclusive. So yeah, hopefully that keeps happening, and more people from various backgrounds keep getting included in stuff, things such as like product development, in C suites, Mm -hmm. in any any sort of company, because you need that diversity and you need people from different backgrounds to make companies Mm
0: -hmm. better yep you need feedback from a wide range of people Exactly. yeah Yeah. it's interesting too because i wonder i'm wondering i don't know why i'm on this like ux thing all of a sudden but i'm like let's talk about it uh (laughs) how does this like frame the way that you approach gear do you think it helps you having that lens or do you think it is it just annoying when things are not the way you want them to be
1: (laughs) no I, i do think that it helps me a little bit i think it's gotten to the Point where it's like oh i'm doing it again i'm trying to look at something or trying to interact with this and it's like this has a bad user interface i don't understand how somebody okay this and it's like okay well clearly they must not have had like a u.s yeah. team or anything like that um so it does inform me when i do go out to buy here because it's like a, again i'm looking for something that isn't a headache or a hassle mm-hmm. like i don't have to worry about on stage and trying to remember, how does the song start again? I mean, oh, now I need to mess with these five knobs yep. here and set this and do this, like, weird sequence of tap dancing mm-hmm. to try and put these pedals in this certain order. That being said, I don't have a ton of pedals. I don't. I can only imagine what people who have, like, a little like 30, 40 yeah. pedals on stage are going through. But even with that, like, yeah, I just look for things that are sleek, and I know that's, like, a super big <laughs> term, but there's not a lot of fluff to it where it's very what you see is what yeah. you get here are the five knobs or the five buttons that you can control to do X, Y, Z. I like that. I don't like something that's overly complicated. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that's like from a UX standpoint mm-hmm. of like where I got into that, but because before I'm like, give me all the pedals. And all the, all the hair. <laughs> but now it's like, keep it simple. Please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I feel like the menu diving in particular can be really intimidating for folks and I wonder if maybe may, if maybe people didn't have so many past experiences with bad UX around menus that it wouldn't be that way.
1: yeah, for sure I, I I agree with that. I think that that process of like setting up something is way too convoluted, and that's another UX thing. It's like try and make it super simple, like offer up information when they need it. don't give them like here's 19 different things you have to fill out or here's 19 different mm, things you need to set right, right now. Like, have it very segmented. Like, this is what you need to do now. Okay, now this is something else you need to do now. While letting them know where they're at in the process. So it's not like five steps in and it's like, oh my God, another step? <laughs> How many steps are there? So it's just letting them know ahead of time and also not overwhelming people as if they get overwhelmed and they get frustrated and it's less likely for that they're going to come back to use your actual product so you want to make it as quick and painless as possible yeah yeah fascinating
0: i feel like i could talk about this all day <laughs> <laughs> as a person who doesn't develop products at all but finds the like psychology behind it really interesting mm-hmm. so can we shift gears for a sec and get into like some stuff around like gender identity and gear stuff is that cool cool sure. yeah go all ahead. right so So let's talk a little bit about that. So like, what, what have you seen as your experiences around gender identities and gear? It could be like related to performances or recording or gear or whatever it is. Like anything in particular stick out for you?
1: Definitely when like playing, I think more so before I start knowing people in like the Chicago music Mm -hmm. scene, I would go to shows with my stuff and they're like, Oh, are you are you the merch girl? Are you this, that, the third, uh-huh. or this? And like no, I, I literally have a basement. <laughs> I have an amp in my hand. Do you see any t shirts? I'm just saying. But it, you know, it that's happened only a couple mm-hmm. times, thank goodness, because I would have gone mad if that happened more than like three mm-hmm. times. But, you know, i I've had that happen and it's just like, oh, okay, I guess we're still doing this. But I think people have become more aware. Some people have become more aware of, oh okay, women actually do play music. Right. What a novel Shocking. concept. Yeah. Then <laughs> I've actually had this guy come up to me and he was so apologetic because he assumed I was playing a, a three-four scale bass oh. and then it was just we were just talking gear and like, no, it's it's a full scale, it's not short scale. And then I went to do something and then I came back and he just like ran out and I was like, I'm so sorry. I just noticed that's what I said. I didn't mean anything by it. I, I, I didn't mean to just assume that you had a, a third. Oh my God. I'm like, you yeah, well, calm down. I get what you mean. It's fine. You're okay. Oh, man. I, didn't, I didn't take it that way. Thank you for apologizing, but I, I didn't take it in that, that fashion. You know. But, so there are people who are just like, okay, I need to think about what I say and think about it in a thoughtful manner. While while you still do have people it's like, woman play guitar, don't understand. <laughs> well, I
0: don't so, understand this calculation. Um, Let's uh, <laughs>
1: you know, what's happening before? Yes, me?
0: uh, yeah, that's interesting. I I mean it, I'm glad that that person was you know, recognizing how that how their words might have been perceived because I feel like that awareness is maybe not the case in a lot of cases. For
1: yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I consider myself fairly lucky because I haven't had a lot of like. Blatantly like disrespectful interactions with mm-hmm. people, in music terms, I, I did have one where it's just like when I was playing drums, I are like, "Oh, are you the rapper?" It's oh. like, dude, I've got <laughs> drumsticks. Okay, does it look like I'm getting ready to rap with these <laughs> drumsticks? But other than that, it's been kind of smooth sailing. For
0: some yeah. reason, when you I, I had this vision of you. Did you ever see those hit? Did you ever see hit sticks? Maybe you were too young for this, but there was this product called hit sticks, and they were like, they would have. um like they're targeted towards kids and you would hit them on things and they would sound like drums, but there was no like amp. It wasn't like electronic mm-hmm. drums. Anyway, I want you to have some hit sticks in your life and just carry them around with you and hit. Yeah. right. Uh, so just I don't know why not. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to get some for myself and right. do the same because I feel like that's what's missing in my life. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> thank it. you. I appreciate your support. Uh, so as far as like buying gear, do you have, so obviously if you're, you're left-handed scenario, which does limit things somewhat, but have, do you have any particularly like really good or really bad experiences with gear purchasing? Uh,
1: a really bad experience I had. Well, yeah, being left-handed, unfortunately, I don't get the chance to play in the stores a lot and be like, I like this one. I'm going to play this one. Um, I order a lot off of Reverb. reefer. Yeah. <laughs> I just order so much stuff from like different places in general. So the best experience I've had has been with that guitar company, the Revelation yeah. guitars. And well, it was used. So I got it from some company, uh, some store out in mm-hmm. Canada and they were very attentive and they're like, Hey, do you need this? We're getting ready to ship this mm-hmm. out. Blah, blah, blah. We've done this for you or whatnot. And the guitar played wonderfully when I got it then that was a great experience for me because usually it's like, yeah, your guitar is coming. We don't know. Just figure it out. <laughs> One day it'll show up. Just, just yeah. you, you just wait. A bad experience I've had with like purchasing guitars, it's the same thing. It's just ordering and just crossing your fingers that this is going to be a good piece of gear yeah. for you. Um, I got like, I don't even remember where it, oh my God, I had to be like 19 or 20, but I got this Washburn guitar and it was just, awful i don't know who set it up or what but it's like even with the setup it was still it's having like a lot of fret yeah and i didn't understand why and it's just like yeah this is an okay guitar and then i sold it like the next time it was just not very really good um yeah but those are like the online things yeah they, those unfortunately that's like a lot of the stuff i i do i like purchase stuff online besides like pedals i've had a lot of like good interaction with people buying pedals where people are super helpful right like, well, what are you looking for well, let's figure this out but yeah online it's very good
0: yeah yeah well I wonder are you do you feel like because of the left-handed thing it's kind of caused you to be like well I'm gonna just I'm not gonna bother going into stores because I doubt they're gonna have something for me anyway
1: mm. well I, I mean I still like to frequent stores but sometimes I I luck out and I get like oh man there's somebody who is also left-handed who brought in the stuff yeah. and sold it and this is something I can use but, yeah, if I go into a store, I'm not, I'm not assuming I'm going to find a guitar or mm-hmm. a bass. I'm just assuming, oh, maybe I'll find this really cool ball. right? Or, you know, maybe this this cool harmonica. <laughs> I don't know if there's <laughs> different versions of harmonicas. They're different. Uh, My only
0: understanding yeah, yeah. of harmonicas is that they're different keys.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, maybe, I, maybe I'm going to go pick up. Just a regular C um, tuned <laughs> harmonica. Let's see if they have it in Which
0: I did hard. not know that there were different okay. types until I worked at a guitar shop or at a music shop that sold harmonicas, and I was like, oh, learn something new every day. <laughs> that
1: is interesting. I know. Yeah, i
0: never noticed that Yeah, you'd have to know what key you're going to be playing at before it starts, and then pick out your harmonica. Right. Like, how does that?
1: Work it, that too? seems like, stressful. You're on stage, like, hey everybody, <laughs> we're going to take it down. I know. Oh, oh no. no, I didn't bring my
0: whatever. I can't even think of an example. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't have my arsenal.
0: Yeah, I think day. people actually have that though. I think that's a thing. If you're like a real serious harmonica player. I hope yeah. so. If you're Well, if you're that guy, I what's that so band, Blues Traveler? Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. yeah, John, John, Apple, John Popper, Apple, he had that yeah. jacket and maybe he just filled each one with a diff, like that he had that like fishing vest full of harmonicas all of different keys. <laughs> I really like that this is where this conversation is gone.
1: <laughs> Bait and tackle who cares. Her is where <laughs> That's at. right. That's, where I keep That's right. Fishing yeah. Bus.
0: I don't see why not.
1: <laughs> All right. Have you, have you noticed,
0: cause you're in the, you're, you know, you're playing some like somewhat different genres. Have you noticed like different experiences related to like gender or identity based on like the genre of music you're playing or like the identities of the band members that you're working with or anything like that?
1: Yeah. I'll say just like, the whole vibe and space where like Black FM is at—it's very, you know, because it's femme and like non-binary individuals and in mm-hmm. band. But the whole scene around that, like, it's a lot of people who have various gender identities, you know. And I think it's it's very rad and like everybody there is so open and free mm-hmm. and love the punk scene, love the funk rock mm-hmm. scene. But it's like I don't know what it is about the fusion mm-hmm. scene where like people are just come as you yeah. are. And that's just my viewpoint of it being so new in this band where it's like, wow, this is kind of a community that I don't see that mm-hmm. often in those other spaces. Yeah. And it's really cool to kind of like be that person who's like jumping from community yeah. to community and seeing how everyone interacts. But yeah, I guess it's the fusion jazz scene here at Chicago. where It's like, yeah, no, there's a whole bunch of people with different, Gender identities, and that's what it is. And you can either get with it and be cool with it, or tough luck yeah. for you. This is how it's going to yeah.
0: be. No, that's awesome. And it's it's. I don't know why. I always find like the way that different spaces function based on the genres of the people there, and like the like what a person's individual experiences based on who's in the band with them. It's like so many different ways that that can show up. You know? Yeah. And it's and in and in a place like Chicago, that's a bigger city. Things are are more, like, siloed, right? Like, you have, like, a scene Uh specifically for fusion or whatever. You have a scene specifically for punk. You've seen, you know. And whereas, like, in a smaller town, there's a little bit more mixing, which is also interesting. I find it all interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I I will say this, though. There are those, like, groups, like, oh, this is the punk scene. Mm -hmm. This is such and such scene. And maybe the two never would meet or whatever. But it's there's a lot of... Well, Chicago's a big, small city. In sure. the fact that, like, everybody's jumping around at different yeah. gigs. And, like, oh, well, yeah, cool. This punk band's playing. You know, I'm a saxophonist. So I'm going to go see this punk band. Hey, do you guys need a punk saxophone mm-hmm. player or something like that? It's just, like, there's a lot of collaboration, which is also good. But, yeah, it's, like, everyone still kind of goes back to their. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, style. John Popper yeah. puts on his little vest, goes to, you know, the Ska show. <laughs> he goes over to the.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ska Popper. Ska is- <laughs>
0: oh my god this is the best okay <laughs> all right so so i will say the i think the way that i learned about you was originally through she shreds one riff a day last year yeah. so can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that
1: yeah so she shreds first of all like i've been a fan of like she shreds for a bit and i saw all the whole like one riff a day one it was first, like, starting. And I thought, oh, this is really rad. This is cool. I'm being exposed to so many different awesome mm-hmm. artists. And then it's just like, oh, well, you know, this was, like, what, around the time, like, things were starting to kind of close yeah. up, I think. And so it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm we're not really doing anything. Let me go ahead and give this a try. I actually have time to do this mm-hmm. now, and it's something I've wanted to do for a minute. So I, you know, threw my hat in the ring, and I'm like, yeah, let me just dedicate a whole month to she shreds challenge because i love it and i love that it's championing so many you know different viewpoints and genres from such talented artists yeah. so that's how i kind of got into it and it it was a journey because <laughs> it was a whole month and i'm not used yeah. to like, actually recording. it's the first time i really start recording myself to mm-hmm. be honest with you because it's like before that it's like oh no one to see this <laughs> this is for me yep. My eyes only, but it's just like, yeah, okay, why not? Why don't I just put this yeah. in here, or whatever, you know? And so it was a great, it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I, I had an absolute yeah,
0: test. Yeah. It's funny because it's, I think I've done it maybe like three-ish times or so. I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. And... It's like every every time I'm like, cool, we're going to do this and like do that for like four days. And I'm like, oh, I'm tired. It's been four days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, do I That's have other ideas? Chance. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, I feel like it is like a nice challenge to like push yourself to try different things because it is like otherwise you could just end up doing the same thing every day. And also it is so cool to see so many other people playing if you just do the like hashtag one rad or whatever. What is it? Hashtag one rad. Um, yeah.
1: Hashtag one rad. yeah. You, it's so cool to see everybody else and like what they're coming up with. It's like, Whoa, yeah. that's like super killer.
0: Yeah. Cause I feel like sometimes people are like, I don't know where we would find another person to do a demo or to like sp- sponsor or what, you know, like their product. I, I, I don't know. You know, like I've just, I've never heard of a, like <laughs> of a woman who plays, you know, guitar or a non-binary person who plays guitar uh, or whatever. Yeah. And, and like, they're, you know, happen. just that hashtag will, they're there, they're there. So, yeah, I don't know. I find that, that part, and it's gotten so much bigger too. So, but yeah, it's fascinating. It's amazing. Is there something gear related that you would say that you feel like particularly like proud of? Oh,
1: no, for sure. I, I think one thing I've learned over the years is like, I don't necessarily have to try and emulate all the people I admire. Mm. I don't need the signature, this, or the, you know, this special pedal that's so-and-so designed. I can carve my own path and still be inspired by those people, but use gear that's actually comfortable for me to use. Right. And, you know, make my own stuff up on, on, my own terms and have it still Mm -hmm. sound inspired but unique at the same time yeah Um, so that's something i have i've learned and also i've been trying to teach myself like logic and Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) i didn't know how to even do the whole thing for like cheese shreds of like trying to figure out how to you know record and then make the audio sync up with the video yeah how, how do you do that and i figured it out and i feel very proud of myself
0: yay you did it Congratulations. But I do think that that thing about feeling like you have to like play the gear that the people that you like play, like, I feel like it's like you can it's it goes the same for like the actual playing style and then actually the gear and the tone or whatever that you're aiming for as well. Like those can be different things. And, you know, it doesn't mean that the influence isn't there. It's just like channeling itself differently or something.
1: For sure. Yeah.
0: So what so if you were you know speaking to folks in the music industry so it's like you know gear venue owners other bands whatever who wanted to make change and they were like crystal give me the info what should we do to make the industry better what would you tell them
1: yeah um i would tell them honestly for your artists respect your artists and pay them what they're worth Mm. That's still a big thing, unfortunately, is that musicians and not even just musicians, painters and people who are creative are kind of taken advantage of in ways. Mm -hmm. And people always consume media, but then don't want to actually give fair pay to those who are Mm creative. So definitely listen to the musicians and give them enough money where they can actually have some sort of, you know... Take away from it where it's not like okay I have to pay all these people and great I have two cents <laughs> this is great yes so yeah just give them give them a fair wage and in turn they will be less stressed and be able to keep playing and creating wonderful content for you to consume
0: oh look at that <laughs> perfect who oh. knew all this time so what's coming up for you what are you what are you particularly psyched on that we want to share with folks before we head out
1: sure yeah so. A lot of recording. Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's the you know it's winter time. It's hibernation mode. Um, so I'm I'm just really psyched on writing with my friends in these bands and making new content.
0: Yeah, that's
1: such an internet term. But, you know, <laughs> Maybe music. you're going
0: to curate that content too.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just making new new songs and you know stretching my skills and learning new ones. That's definitely what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. And again, getting back into that whole thing of, like, not necessarily lessons, but, like, self-teaching myself on how to, you know, figure out and improve on what I already have. So that's why I'm really really stuck. I feel like
0: that's a nice, like, winter hibernation activity as well, kind of. Even if you're not, like, hibernating, Mm -hmm. you're hibernating more to write, but I feel like winter feels like a good, like, I'm going to hunker down and, like, learn a thing time, too. Totally. Cool. Well, I'm excited to hear what you are coming up with, what your uh, what your new records or recordings sound like, because that's going to be fabulous. So where can
1: you. I'm yeah.
0: <laughs> where can folks uh, like stay in contact with you? Listen to, you know, like where, where would you want to direct them to stay in contact?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I've got an Instagram. It's Chris underscore flowers. So Chris is K-R-Y-S underscore flowers F L O W.
0: ERS. Cool. That's really yeah. Different. And you've got all the links to your other, to all your projects there.
1: Oh yeah. 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 They're all, they're all in the little bio. <laughs>
0: yep. Ready to go. All three of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. for cool. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you so, so much for hanging today. This is really fun. I really appreciate you, you know, taking the time and I'm excited for the future.
1: Thank you. Absolutely. and Thank you again for having me. This has been
0: Cool. Really thank you. Really loved getting a chance to talk to Crystal. She's so great. Definitely check out all of her bands and links in the show notes for more good stuff. Last episode, if you remember, I'd spent some time talking about the ways to create better music retail spaces, uh, basically better music retail experiences for parents in particular. And today I want to take a moment to talk about creating community in music retail spaces, which feels tangentially related, right? As I have mentioned here a number of times, brick and mortar stores are facing a lot of competition, much of which is from the Internet. No surprise there. So what sets music retailers up for success is really building up their strengths. And one major strength is in the community they build around the store itself. Right. So. An additional and important benefit of creating community is that it can create opportunities to bring folks into the store who might otherwise be turned off or feel excluded or too intimidated to go inside. So how might a store go about creating community? Here are just a few ideas. So first you can run workshops in your space, right? So there could be a range of topics, but it's especially useful in this case to cater to folks who might be new to the instrument. So some examples might be workshops like pedal order or soldering 101 or how to set up a pedal board or what to look for when buying a new guitar or amp or guitar maintenance 101. What are those knobs? That's always my favorite. Uh, How to tune your drums or beat making or sequencing 101, it could go on and on, right? So, you know, of course it's important to make sure that whoever is leading the workshop is approachable and kind and not condescending and that they have experience teaching beginners, right? Otherwise, instead of bringing people in, you're actually pushing them away and confirming the fears that they might have already had, which is a bummer. So, you know, bonus points then also if you have a staff member who can lead this, who is a cis woman, trans or non-binary person or a person of color, right? So, like, that is beneficial in that situation as well to bring folks in who might not already be represented in your store, if that's the case. So, two. Partner with local community-based organizations. So on the previous note, if you don't have someone uh, with an oppressed identity to run the course, you can partner with a group who does, right? So like your local rock camp, for example. Um, But you also have to make sure that at least a few employees stick around to show support and that folks then know that they're approachable, too. And it's not just you're doing this workshop in that space, but like that the people there actually are nice, too. And even if you don't have the space or ability to run workshops, it's great to show that you care about your community through sponsorships, donations, volunteering, right? It's a really good way to build trust with those involved in or who otherwise support those communities. Three, hold events and performances at your space. So obviously you know you could co-host shows or other events with local organizations in your space which is great but you could also partner with local musicians to do that so bringing in a wide range of diverse musicians and you know you could even hold things like a potluck or karaoke or a book club about music related books there's like so many options and if you're unsure about what to do you could actually just survey folks like share some ideas see what they think ask for their ideas But the key there is to make sure that you aren't just serving the same folks who are already your customers, right? That's, (laughs) otherwise that would defeat the purpose. So, you know, of course, this list could go on and on. And I was saying like, these are just a few ideas, but I hope this might spark some potential ideas for you to discuss with your team um, to build community and make folks feel like they belong in your space, because that's super important. And, you know, it is the thing that you have as an advantage over online spaces, right? And if you enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends so more people can hear about the show. You can follow along between episodes via Midriff's Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.